0: All right, guys. Thanks for joining once again. It's good to be back. This is Durden from the Laffinity Discord, and we're here with another AMA. Uh, this one—it's been a—it's been quite a while since the last time that we did one. Um, yeah, so it's really good to be back doing one of these again. Um, I mean, in the meantime, you know, all your quen- questions have been answered in our Discord or on Twitter, but. Um, definitely a different vibe when questions are answered live, and we can interact live. So, and of course, you all love my lovely voice, don't you? (laughs) Nah. So, anyways, let's get started. Let's see. I think we're just going to jump right into the questions today, so. Yeah, uh, for those on Twitter, people are posting their questions in our AMA Questions channel in our Discord, so uh, if we ever run out of questions, we might move over to having people on stage on Twitter, but otherwise all the questions will be on the Discord. So yeah, if you have any questions, just post them there. Alright, so let's get started. First question we have Ezekiel asks, how scalable is the Lafinity model? Do you think big DEXs could migrate and work as Lafinity does? Yeah, so Lfinity is TLDR. It is not as scalable as other AMM models. So with other AMM models, uh, like I guess the main thing is like, they don't limit how much liquidity they accept. And in fact, they want to maximize the amount of liquidity that they have. Uh, The more liquidity they have, the better prices they offer, which means the more volume they get, which means the more protocol protocol fees they earn. Um, And this is why they like to do uh, liquidity mining, because when there's incentives, that means more people provide liquidity. So what's different about Lafinity's model is that we are not looking to maximize uh, the amount of liquidity that we have. Rather, we're maximizing profitability. one of the big differences with us is that we own a lot of the liquidity on our platform um and when you own the liquidity you get all the trading fees it generates you don't have to share it with liquidity providers so um the question is like with the liquidity that the protocol owns how do we want to use it and uh if you've read part 4 of our tokenomics you're probably familiar with the concept of how there's this thing called the target liquidity, um, which is the uh, amount of liquidity where the fees earned per uh, LP token are maximized. So it's basically the most efficient way to use your liquidity. And so that's basically what we aim to do. And that means that we don't want our pools to have infinite amounts of liquidity. We want them to have the amount of liquidity that is just enough to maximize the trading fees earned per LP token. And so in that sense, we're not infinitely scalable. We're not looking for infinite amounts of liquidity, um, whereas other DEXs are. So that's one thing. Another thing is um, like how how profitable can we become? This also is, is not infinite. We are limited by Uh, most fundamentally, how much trading volume there is. And um, that, in turn, is dependent on some other things. For example, a bunch of trades on our platform are um, arbitrage trades between our pools and the pools of constant product market makers and concentrated liquidity market makers. And so, for example, if we were the only DEX on Solana, we actually wouldn't be doing as good as we're doing right now because all those arbitrage trades would disappear. So yeah, that's also a factor that limits our scalability, I guess. Um, yeah, I hope that answers the question, the first part. And then you ask, uh, do I think big DEXs could migrate and work as we do? I mean, they certainly could, of course. You know, there's nothing stopping them, right? Um, the the problem or the issue is, uh, like, that's a huge effort. Um, you're changing the way your pools work fundamentally. And also, like, the way ours works, it's, like, intimately tied to our tokenomics, right? Like, we do everything differently. And so if they used our market-making model, but without the tokenomics, I'm not sure how that would work. I mean, it can definitely work different ways. It's not like our model is the only way that it could work. But anyways, like it would be a huge, huge change. So it's like, uh, do they really want to put in all the effort? I think the the less well a protocol is doing, the more incentivized it is to... Uh, change their model and try to copy something that is working. So for example, I think like Orca, you know, they're not going to do what we're doing because like they have tons of volume already, right? Um, But for example, you know, look at the bottom tier DEXs on uh, Jupiter. Just look at the ones with like very small amounts of volume. Like maybe they might consider it, but... Yeah, I mean, like eventually, someone's gonna copy us, right? <laughs> I feel like it's inevitable. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not easy. Uh. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I should go more into it. Like, uh, <clears throat> like coding it is not easy. Um, acquiring the liquidity is not easy. Getting the brand recognition is not easy. Um, Building the trust with the community is not easy. Um, yeah, it just takes a lot. So, but yeah, I think I've probably talked on that enough. So moving on next question, we have universe. Now it's a very long question. I'm going to read through all of it. Actually, maybe I'll just read parts of it and answer as I go uh all right so here it goes they ask is it still possible to develop more perks for the nfts in the long term it feels strange to hear that you are quote done with creating value for the nft it would be more attractive to create more value for your first investors um so we never said we're done creating value for flares on the contrary we are constantly creating more value for the flares. We never stop creating value for the flares. Um, And in fact, we never stop improving the mechanism by which that value is created. Um, We have sustainable revenue. And this is something that most NFT projects cannot claim. And this is precisely what gives our project staying power. Um, there's tons and tons of projects that, you know, have momentary hype and price goes up a lot and then it goes back down basically forever. (laughs) And obviously, you know, um, our project, like there's also speculation for flares. So like, yeah, there's going to be like, um, ups and downs to the price. But so I think, you know, always the, the, the clearest indicator and the only one I really care about is um, how are we doing relative to the mint price? And right now we're about, uh, we're over 4x from the mint price, which, you know, not many projects can say. I mean, some projects are way more than 4x, obviously. But um, like being above 4x, after what's it been like, uh, it's almost like six months or more now. Um, like not many projects can say that. Um, yeah. All right. Let me get back to the question. So continuing says, I hate to make the comparison, but we all know we are categorized into the NFT type category where Genesis go is placed. All oh, right, so like utility NFTs, I guess they are saying. Although you cannot compare completely, I do see a big difference in the value creation of the NFT. For example, they would still not have created the full value for the NFT by a long way. So there is much more to come. Although it, it was not described in the roadmap, delivering more than promised is greatly appreciated by everyone. All right, so let's see. Comparing to Genesis Go. Alright, so... um, Yeah, so, disclaimer, like, I own a Gen Go. And, uh... Like, I think what they're doing is great. But, you know, just a fact, like, they don't have... They don't yet produce revenue. Um, well, actually, I mean, like, they have revenue from the the nft secondary royalties and they use that to um, pay for running their rpc which is amazing right that's like free service for the solana ecosystem which is awesome um as for their nfts or like their token because um as far as i understand like basically the nfts are mainly like a token distribution mechanism so it's like how do the tokens accrue value? That's mainly through their um Shadow Drive. So basically the more people use the drive, you need the Shadow tokens to use the drive. So it's basically dependent on demand for that. And like they just launched it, so you know, you can't expect like tons of demand right off the bat. It's probably going to um gradually increase over time. So yeah. So that's them. And like, they're doing their thing and I love it. Um, but on the other hand, like, as a matter of fact, like they still don't, like like I said, like there's still not much demand for shadow, um, which I think is the, um, the future value accrual part. Whereas for us, like we already have a successful way of generating revenue and actually like quite a bit. Like, I don't know if there's any other NFT project that generates um as much revenue as we do as a percentage of like our market cap like it's a lot (laughs) like it's really good um so yeah i mean like even comparing with genesis go like i don't know like so i mean their nfts are way more valuable that's the thing right so if you look at just the nfts yeah they have tons more value and that's definitely tied to the fact that the the NFTs are fifty percent of um, their entire token supply, whereas for us it's just one percent. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean the, now the now the comparison gets really hairy because like uh, <laughs> it's like no one knows what should be the total market cap value of shadow tokens and Laffinity tokens so it's like um yeah like you just have to include a a bunch of assumptions to make like any meaningful comparison there But anyways like uh yeah I, i don't see what the problem is in terms of like value creation like we're creating tons of value um continually buying back flares um and just look at just look at the like absolute Um, dollar value of revenue we're generating and uh yeah all right to to finish your your question striving for more value increases the value of the nft just like not striving for more value equals a decrease of the nft it's its value uh decreasing the value of the nft i guess just my opinion at the moment i think we all benefit much more from it Apologies if this has already been discussed in the past. Oh, trust me, it has definitely been discussed in the past. <laughs> but it's totally fine that we're discussing it uh now too. But um yeah, so here's the thing. Like we're totally open to adding new value to the flares. It's just that I haven't really come across any good ideas. Most of the ideas I've come across is basically a way to take away value from VE Laffinity holders, and give it to Flare holders. And those are non-vi- non-viable options. Um, we need to find a way to like create new value, not take it away from like other parts within our ecosystem. So yeah, we're totally open to ideas, just that I uh, haven't really seen any. I mean, I think, you know, my hope is that the Flare DAO comes together to create value because uh, the way I see it, like the best NFTs are the ones where the community is awesome and the community is creating value. And it's not like super dependent on like uh, just having the team do everything um because what the team can do like naturally is very few team members in any team and so what they can do is limited but if the whole com- community comes together and th- they do something then well you have a lot of people which means you can get a lot more done and so at, as for the team like the most value add thing we can do for flares is to keep improving our decks because that is what improves the profitability the amount of revenue we generate. So that's what we're heads down focused on um, and always have been, really. <laughs> I think you guys know if you've kept up with um, everything we've been doing. And yeah, like anything beyond that, I would hope the DAO steps up. Um, because the, the DAO does now have some funds to work with, and it also has bought back flares to work with. There's already been some ideas. Um, just not like a ton of like people being super active, like trying to make stuff happen. Um yeah, so let's see, did I miss anything? Yeah, so it's kind of how I'm thinking about value creation for flares. Um I hope that answers your question. Let me know if you have a follow-up question to that. Let me take a sip. Uh, all right, next question, we have Rob asking would like more frequent reward distribution, we are in a volatile climate, which makes longer duration reward distribution more risky, daily or weekly at a minimum would be preferred. All right, so Smitten replied um, with a link to our uh, announcement about reward claiming. We actually held a vote asking people if they would prefer weekly claims or monthly claims. The trade-off being that if we do weekly claims, because they're manual right now, um, it means the devs have less time for development, whereas if we do monthly claims, that means there's more time for development. So basically, it's just a matter of priorities. And then people voted. um, There were 30 votes for weekly claims and 246 votes for monthly claims. So the preference was pretty clear in that case. So yeah, that's why we're keeping it monthly for now. And then eventually we will be um, trying to automate the reward distribution process a lot more. So then once it's automated, um, it can become more frequent, but yeah, not a, a high priority at the moment. All right, Uh, Madshu says GMT, not sure if that's a question. If you want me to talk about GMT, maybe you should clarify if you do want that. (laughs) Um, Let's see. All right, Speedy says 50% buyback, 50% rewards. Is that set in stone or up for change in the future? Thinking more rewards. Yeah, so this is not set in stone. Um, so, yeah, we can definitely talk about changing that as a DAO. Um, let's see. So, yes, let me just, like, talk through some options of what could potentially be. So, one is just, like, move everything to rewards. Um, and, yeah, let me just, like, explain, like, the trade-offs of each option. So, basically, the 50% buyback, 50% rewards is, like, in my mind, at least, the, like, naive option. Um, It's kind of like a balanced option. So what the buybacks do, um, and I think it's especially useful right now because we have, so one, we're still a nascent protocol, um, and two, we have Laffinity emissions two flares, which means that over the course of a year there's going to be more cell pressure because there's more Lafinity entering the circulating supply. (laughs) And so buybacks counteract that potential cell pressure. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the rewards obviously are great because I mean, like, it's a unique feature as a DEX, even though, you know, it probably should be, Standard. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, like, for example, if we if we move to 100% rewards, then the upside of that is that our APR will double. Um, the downside is that Laffinity price will probably fall. So basically, that option, it's like, uh, it's geared more toward long-term investors because, um... Like if your if your VE Laffinity is locked, you're less incentivized to start unlocking because you'll probably won't be able to sell your Laffinity as high a price compared to if we were doing buybacks. Um so basically this is like you know, just max out the rewards, screw buybacks <laughs> option. Um yeah, we could So, I mean, another option would be, like, 100% buyback, 0% rewards. I mean, I don't think anyone wants that, (laughs) but uh, just to mention it as an option. Um, That would be, I don't know, if, like, everyone's looking to exit, I guess. (laughs) Kind of a, yeah, it's a weird thing to think about, but. And then, uh, so some other options, actually, that I have been thinking about is So we keep the 50-50, but we change what we do with the buyback. So right now, we um, use all the USDC to buy back Laffinity, and then the Laffinity goes to our treasury. So what if, instead, we used half the USDC to buy back Laffinity, and then we pair that bought back Laffinity with the remaining USDC, and put it back into the pool? So the difference is that one, the liquidity price does not go up as much because we're not buying back as much. And two, instead of increasing the assets in our treasury, the amount of liquidity increases gradually with the buybacks. Uh, Right now, when we do the buybacks, it's not increasing the liquidity, we're just um, increasing the amount of USDC relative to liquidity. Whereas with this, we're putting all the buy all the 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 uh, buyback tokens back into the pool so it would, it would increase liquidity over time so that's one option and then uh, another option would be don't do any buyback but use the bought back USDC pair it with liquidity tokens from the treasury and then deposit all that into the liquidity pool so this also increases liquidity actually twice as much as the previous option But uh, there's no buyback effect, so it doesn't increase price at all. It just increases liquidity um, at the fastest rate possible. But it also uses liquidity from our treasury. So anyways, those are some options I thought of. Um, I actually haven't like really seen people talk about the amount of liquidity in our Discord, like almost never. Like was some discussion about it, like soon after the VE idea. But nowadays, like I don't hear like anything about it. So my my feeling is that people aren't concerned about the amount of liquidity right now. Um, that might change over time. I don't know. But anyways, just some options to keep in mind. All right. Um, moving on. Oh, Smitten, thanks for confirming that it sounds okay on Twitter. Appreciate that. All right. <clears throat> speedy asks let's say we add orca or gst thought of setting the fees slightly higher due to less competition on those tokens um yeah sure i mean like uh the fees we set like the only thing that matters really is uh maximizing the the uh total the, re- the revenue. We're just trying to maximize the revenue. So whatever C- whatever fees accomplishes that, we'll choose that. And um, let's see. So basically, if we raise fees, it means more um, revenue per trade, but less trades, because fewer trades will be routed to our protocol because of the higher fees. And then also, it probably also has some sort of effect on market making profit. Um, So if we have higher fees, it means fewer trades, which means um, we'll probably rebalance a little bit less frequently. So if I had to guess, it would probably reduce market making profit. But yeah, I'm not sure. That effect I mean, but the bottom line is like you can't know these things without actually testing them out. You can't like calculate it with an equation or something. You have to actually test it in the wild. So yeah, like it'll be a it'll be a matter of just like testing out what is the optimal fee. But yeah. Bruce Lee Trading asks, any plan with neutral market leverage farming strategy like alpaca or Francium? Um, yeah, so definitely want to integrate, um, into Tulip and in Francium, I would say. So if you saw our most recent announcement, we mentioned that we're, uh, actually, let me take a look at it, just so I don't, screw it up. Uh, let's see, where am I? Do, do, do. Okay. Yeah, so we're adding support for LP collateralization for Hubble, uh, which means Hubble will be able to use our LP tokens as collateral to mint USDH. Basically, this is um, just creating an API. So, or I think, um, yeah. So, so the protocol will be able to um, get the assets that are within the LP tokens. So basically a simple way for them to withdraw the liquidity that's within the LP tokens. So that's something that we'll also be able to use for um, Tulip and Francium. So once that is complete, I will be reaching out to them. Um, Yeah, uh, definitely already kind of talked about it with Francium in the past. They're at least interested um uh, it's not like we've confirmed anything but yeah and i assume tulip would be interested in too. and right now i think the most uh useful pairs would be bitcoin usdc and ethereum usdc the reason being they have x they have spare capacity uh so people can deposit more assets there and their yield for both USDC and for BTC or Ethereum are like uh, very good, like top notch. Um, Like they're better than any USDC yield you'll find anywhere, I think. And also any ETH or BTC yield you'll find anywhere. Um, So there might be like higher yields if you do leveraged yield farming with Ethereum paired with some other asset. But yeah, that's not taking the impermanent loss into account, whereas our numbers for our net APR do take impermanent loss into account. So I think they actually are the highest. And the other thing is like currently we don't really mind having more assets because we still don't know what the optimal levels of liquidity for Ethereum or BTC are. So um, if we deposit more, and then APR doesn't decrease, that means, well, we just found a new level of optimal liquidity. Uh, We previously had not enough, or basically we had more room for more. So that'd be good to find out. Um, on the other hand if we realize that now we have too much because the apr decreased um, in that case we can do what we did to the sole pools previously so basically um, lps would just get no trading fees and only the market making profit so basically they would be incentivized to withdraw their liquidity we also don't care if they don't withdraw because we're keeping all their trading fees anyways so apr is down for the pool but since we're keeping all the trading fees without um, having like not being responsible for all the liquidity like it's basically a winning situation for us so anyways the, the point being like we wouldn't be like screwing ourselves over if we realize after the fact that oh now the pool has too much liquidity like it's still fine because that's kind of what happened with the sole pools or i think it was Soul usdt especially if you remember, like, it had more than the optimal level of liquidity. But then we just turned off trading fees for LPs, and I think a bunch of people withdrew. So, yeah. Um, Then you also say Forex Keck. <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but, <laughs> all right. All right, Speedy says, can't complain about the NFTs. They've been a great success. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I agree. All right, Passenger says, will there be a possibility to directly send the tokens when flares are staked to the holder's wallet? Okay, I think they're asking um, when you stake a flare, they want the Lfinity tokens sent directly to your wallet rather than having to claim them. Um, no, we do not have plans to implement that. Um, so actually, if you remember, not sure if you were here, but originally our plan was to do airdrops of liquidity tokens. And so basically that's what you're suggesting right here is to do airdrops instead of stake and claim. And the whole reason we avoided this is because we saw other projects doing airdrops and, like, facing many, many problems. Like, I mean, it looked like a nightmare, you know? Like, every time they do an airdrop, they would have to redo a bunch of them because transactions didn't go through. And, you know, like, it would increase the support burden hugely. Just, like, tons of people claiming they didn't get their airdrop and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, I'm really glad we did not go that route. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's obviously some inconveniences with the staking route, like you have to claim and stuff like that, but I think this was the right thing to do, all in all. So yeah, sorry, you have to keep claiming, but yeah, that's the model we're going to stick with. All right, Bandit0x says, I quite like buybacks. The best publicity is a rising price, and buybacks boost the price and help bring attention to the protocol. Yeah, so this was definitely part of the intention of including the buybacks and not putting everything into rewards, um, and also like just the fact that you can say we have rewards and we have buybacks, you know, because like people are attracted to like different things. Some people think um, rewards are the shit, and other think other people think buybacks are the shit. <laughs> so you know. Uh, like we have something that can, um, uh, what's the word, can attract various types of people, which I think is good. Um, And yeah, this is also what I meant by this is like the naive option. Um, We get to observe um, both, and like maybe with time it'll be it'll become clear, like which is more valuable, and then we can just shift the percentages to match that so yeah I think it's uh I'm happy with how it is right now I mean we haven't even started the buybacks but yeah Uh, I think it would be good to just like leave it for a while see how things are and then once we're better informed we can make adjustments if we think that's a good idea Mm -hmm. oh but uh bandit 0x does say prefer it prefer it to be rewards to be honest although unpopular opinion I'm not sure if it is unpopular. I know, like, most of the people here are, like, all about the rewards. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I guess maybe a potential downside is, like, people see the APR, and actually, like, in terms of the total revenue we're generating, it's actually double that, right? Um, It's just that the other half is going to buybacks, and some people can miss that nuance. I mean... Here at Laffinity, we know all about people missing the nuance, right? <laughs> There's a lot of nuance to our project. So, all right, moving on. We have Speedy says 100% buyback, Laffinity to the moon. <laughs> yeah, true. uh Yeah, if we did that, I mean, I'm sure more people would start unlocking <laughs> just so they could sell. Um, Oh yeah, of course, because they're not even getting any rewards, so (laughs) that would be weird. VE Lipinity would totally lose its purpose in the absence of rewards. All right, um, Bandit0x, fifty fifty is good. In my opinion, increasing liquidity isn't necessarily a positive. I believe in the project, and liquidity reduces price impact, both up and down. If you believe buy pressure is greater than sell pressure in the future, you'd rather have less liquidity. Only large buyers or large dumpers need deep liquidity. Additionally, the Lafinity USDC pool would almost certainly suffer greater impermanent loss than fees, because it's so volatile slash low trading volume, so the treasury gets drained by the liquidity provided. Yeah, I resonate with a lot of what's written here um people do miss the fact that when you have more liquidity it like people usually fixate on the fact that the more liquidity you have it's harder for the price to go down but they miss the fact that it's also true that it makes the pro it makes it harder for the price to go up as well um let's see yeah yeah good good comments All right, Bruce Lee trading 4x from flares. Uh, not sure what that's about. Uh, maybe you're talking about the, uh, price increase from inception. Looks like we're almost at 5x now, 7.42 Soul. Nice. Triple Zero X says, dang, completely missed it. One question though, what happens to this discord if you ever go on vacation? Wow, a question I was not prepared to answer <laughs> um if it goes on vacation triple zero x you are in charge our 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 uh um yeah i mean like you've you've been a great support in our <laughs> in our server for a long time so but um if i go on vacation i mean like yeah, i don't know if i would i feel like even if i went on vacation i would i would still check i mean i kind of do go on vacation like sort of like i i've been away from home <laughs> you guys just didn't know <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know how to answer that question i mean like you know nothing bad would happen <laughs> it would be fine all right gaius says I don't give a hoot about the buybacks. Rewards, baby. Happy to also start working on the DAO. Thank you for organizing this, Durden. Uh, So before I get to your question, yeah. uh, Gaius is like one of those people who has always only talked about the rewards, never mentioned buybacks. So yeah, this is... (laughs) Gaius definitely came to mind when I mentioned earlier that some people just care about rewards. Quick question. What is the main technical issue the team is currently working on? What is key of what is happening behind the scenes? Keep up the good work. Uh yeah, so I think our recent announcement covers that. So like a bunch of things we're working on, right? Um so the very current thing we're working on is um custom oracles. So we've got um, confirmation from UXD, Hubble, and Parrot that they want um, custom pools for UXD Sol, USDH Sol, and Pi Sol. So that's what we're working on right now. Um, uh, let's see, back to your question. Did I answer it? Uh, the main technical issue. I'm not sure if that's what you meant when you said main technical issue. But, like, that is the thing we are working on right now. Um. What is key of what is happening behind the scenes? Um. I mean, like, we try to keep it as little as possible. The, like, behind the scenes part. Like, uh. You know, some protocols, they, like, they like build something, and then there's, like, boom, there's, like, this announcement. It's, like, no one knew about it, and it's, like, whoa. Like, we're not really like that. I think, as you know, like, we try to keep the community in the loop all the way. <laughs> um, for better or for worse. Because, um, I mean, like, surprise announcements can have their advantage, I assume. But, um, yeah, so, I mean... Yeah, there, there's not much of a behind the scenes. Yeah, uh, we, we try to keep you guys informed as much as possible. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. I feel like I may have kind of missed it, or maybe if it's just like a wording thing, but OK, cool. Uh, Yeah, thanks for all your support, Gaius, as usual. Um. Really appreciate it. Always giving us shout-outs on Twitter and stuff. And, uh, yeah, being active in the Discord. <laughs> Alright, triple zero X is shit regarding having to <laughs> run the Discord in my absence. <laughs> nah, you'll be fine. <laughs> Bandit zero X says, Durden goes on vacation, this guy takes over. The quest- it's a picture of the narrator from, uh, Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh it's all backwards here. Durden is a normal guy, but in my unconscious state, this guy takes over. <laughs> um, okay. Just me one two three says, What are your thoughts on gold from Synthetify? I would honestly love a gold usdc pool when volume increases i'm sure market making algo would benefit gold price action yes i'm just a gold gobbler <laughs> yeah so i mean i think the main thing is uh volume and i don't know that there's like i mean there there must be like hardly any volume for gold i assume on Solana I mean like you know plenty of people want to trade gold they just don't want to trade it on Solana um, and that could very well change but you know it doesn't seem like that would happen anytime soon so for me at least like it's not really on my radar yeah so yeah we'll just have to see how that develops but for now not really thinking about it. Um Speedy says then Laffinity would have to mint it. It's got a picture of um synthetify's gold asset, X Gold. Um let's see. Is that the trading volume? $1011. I mean, yeah, if that's a twenty-four hour volume, then it's like very small, so yeah. Oh, it's the minted amount. I see. I see. I mean, yeah, if that's the minted amount, then trading volume must be even less than $1,000. So yeah, there's also Paxos gold. Oh, is that? Oh, it's on Solit. Huh, I never even knew. (laughs) What other assets might Solit be hiding from us? All right, Um, only 13 holders, okay. All right, JDB says, can you update on the state of the funds from the IDO? How much is still sitting idle, lent out, and how does that feed into plans for new trading pairs? Yeah, so it's basically the same. Um, I don't have the absolute dollar amounts. Um, But like, so we gave you the the breakdown, back when we first deployed the funds. And since then, the the value of the volatile assets have, I think, all decreased. So like the sole BTC, ETH, etc. So those are worth less. Um, USDC has not changed. So I think that'll give you like an overall idea um yeah, I mean like people want updates on this sometimes understandably and so yeah this is basically a thing for our dashboard um I mean like we don't want to uh, it's similar to the uh to the claiming thing like um like uh organizing all the data around like how much, or how our POL is spread out and like presenting it to you, like it does take a bunch of work. So yeah, it's not like, yeah, we're not really doing it frequently. Also because like, there's not really much to update on. It's not, it's not like we've made like huge changes or anything. So yeah, when we have our dashboard out, um, that will be, you can you'll, you'll be able to see it in real time, which will be awesome. Um, and then you won't have to ask us about it anymore. So yeah, please wait for the dashboard. All right. a Promeno asks, uh, regarding the custom oracles for the new Soul stable pairs, what would be the risks for creating such custom oracles for UXD, USDC, uh, usdh, USDC and Pi USDC. So actually. Or wait, um. Okay, so wait, are you asking? Did you mean to ask about UXD Soul, etc., or did you actually mean to ask about UXD USDC, etc.? Because the the pools we're creating are UXDC Soul, etc. Okay, yeah, so they're asking about UXD Soul, etc., not USDC. Okay, so yeah, so as I understand it, um, the way we're doing this is we have the the price feed for Sol from Pith, and that's paired with USDC, so we have the value of Sol in USDC, and then for the stablecoins, the way we get their value is using the large, their largest pool on Solana, So for example, UXD has a large pool, the largest pool on Sabre. And so we're using that as our Oracle. So then we can triangulate between the sole USDC and the UXDC, I mean, UXD USDC pools to get a sole UXD pool. Hope that makes sense. And so the risk involved with that is uh, we're getting the price from the Sabre pool. So, yeah, so one thing when you do oracles, you have to be careful about is price manipulation. Um, With the Pith price feed, you don't really need to worry about that because like Sol is so liquid across a bunch of centralized exchanges. And you have a bunch of um, data providers providing that data. So like just one of them can't really screw it up. But for the USDC price oracle, we're doing a custom oracle. So this is not a Pith price feed. It's something we're making ourselves. Um, And USD is a lot less liquid than Sol. So uh, its price is more easily manipulated. People could um, sell or buy a bunch of USD and influence the price. And, of, and then of course that would um, influence the UXD sole price that we're offering as well. So yeah, this is something to keep in mind and uh, something, I mean, yeah, the team is keeping in mind as they develop the custom Oracle um, to like protect against um, manipulation. So yeah, let's see. Is there any other risk besides that? Um, So in this case, we're not holding the assets, so we don't have like the price risk. So yeah, there's not that I think that is the only risk, you know, besides like the generic smart contract risk that everything in crypto has uh yeah all right and second part of your question and can you say anything at the moment regarding the kind of cooperation we're going to have with these projects is it market making as a service or liquidity as a service or the one where we had uxd usdc pool yeah so the uxd usdc pool is basically market making as a service because they're providing the liquidity And yeah, like I just mentioned, uh, when discussing the previous topic, uh, it will be market making as a service. I think it's going to be that for all the protocols. Uh, I think, yeah. So probably, probably all the protocols are going to be providing the assets. We just provide the market making infrastructure and then we keep all the trading fees. And they keep the market making profit, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah, so that's the plan. Oh yeah, one thing to mention regarding that, <clears throat> that I think you'll find interesting. So because we're doing soul pools, if uh, a bunch of trades get routed through these new pools, it's possible that this means our sole USDC pool gets fewer trades just because some sole trade is cheaper through these other routes so for example like if someone is trading sole for usdc the cheapest route could be sole to uxd to usdc in which case it would be routed through our sole uxd pool and not our sole usdc pool but of course this is fine because we're keeping all the trading fees so in total, we're going to be earning more trading fees. It's just that the sole USDC pool might have less. Uh, yeah, I mean, can't say if this will actually be the case until we actually see it. But if you do see like volume decrease, uh, once we open these new pools, that might be playing a factor. Just something interesting to keep in mind. Um, cool. Yeah, so I think that answers that question. Okay. Syuna, uh, asks, how is the Lifinity buyback bot coming? Any tentative timeline on its readiness? When buyback? Yes, everyone everyone wants to front run the buyback. <laughs> Actually, probably not you. Um, but let's see, the buyback bot. Yeah, I mean like so. There's a bunch of things we're working on, um, this is one of them. There is no timeline. In general, I don't think we are going to be providing timelines as it accomplishes nothing by us saying them. If we do things on time, then nobody cares. They are not impressed they are not thankful, they are nothing, they are neutral. If we do it ahead of time, they are slightly impressed, but they, for the most part, also don't care. If we are late, they are angry. They will complain. (laughs) We will get all kinds of shit. And uh, if you don't know, development is incredibly hard to predict. Um, It's not It's not like a factory where you have predictable processes that you know how much time each step will take so you can calculate the total amount of time that's going to take development does not work like that development has testing and you know if testing goes perfectly then you know you're probably going to be ahead of schedule if testing goes poorly then you're going to have a lot of bugs and errors that you're going to need to fix and that could um, put you behind schedule Uh, you just never know and so yeah it's it's really not productive for us to like be providing timelines which are basically just like guesses right it's like we can guess if you want but uh, like I explained (laughs) earlier like once we put out a number, like, people attach to that, and then, because humans have a negativity bias, whenever um, we're on time, like, it doesn't matter, it's totally neutral. If we're ahead of time, it's slightly good. If we're behind schedule, it's very bad. <laughs> That's like, uh, the odds are against us. So, you know, like, if we were to provide timelines, what does that incentivize us to do? Well, it incentivizes us to not give our best average estimate. It, it incentivizes us to basically lie. Like, you know, say it's going to take four weeks when we actually think, on average, it'll only take two. So that we don't get shit on. <laughs> but anyways, I hope that gives some perspective. Anyways, the Lfinity buyback bot is coming. Do not worry um yeah and also like yeah yeah I'll just leave it at that all right cool <laughs> uh what is this emoji thank you you're welcome <laughs> speedy says just Market by 60k usd you know I did consider that because um you know as, as long as people don't expect it you know it's fine you can't you're not gonna get front run if no one expects it but <laughs> we'll see. All right, Bruce Lee trading, is this possible? Do some kind of flash loan on Sol? Okay, so this is about the uh, the Oracle, custom Oracle. Flash loan, uh, let's see. I haven't thought about this. Um, the dev team is thinking about the exploitation angle. Um, So if you were to do a flash loan, what would you do? For example, let's see. Say you borrow UXD, then you sell UXD, price falls, so now UXD is cheaper. Uh, UXD is cheaper, which means on the sole UXD pair, Soul is more expensive. So now you market, or not market, yeah, you sell Soul for UXD because now it's cheaper. And then uh, I guess the hope is now you have more UXD than what you borrowed. And you pay back the flash loan, and you have some extra UXD. I guess that's the hope. Is that possible? I don't know. Um Yeah, I'm sure this is like the, the dev team has thought about this, because like, that's how you would do the exploitation by manipulating the price. Um. My gut instinct is that that would be hard because one, you have the flash loan fee, and then you have the two trading fees, on the UXD USDC pool and then the sole UXD pool. Um. So. Yeah, seems like. It would be hard to overcome all three fees. But yeah, those are my my uh, in the moment thoughts. (laughs) I haven't thought about it deeply. But yeah, dev team could probably give more insight on that. All right. I hope that's satisfactory for now. Uh a promenu says follow up question regarding custom oracle for u x d Why won't you use a similar methodology to how pith is doing their price feed calculation, for example, using a weighted average among three or more UXD, USDC pools um so I think that isn't or uh, oh yeah, okay, you say weighted average i was gonna say. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if you did a weighted average, maybe that would work. Yeah, possibly so. Um, Let me mention this to the team later. Um, Remind me, in case I forget, please remind me later. Okay. Thanks for the, the idea. Bandit X0X says Goblin take stablecoin stable paying protocols like Curve and Sabre to provide liquidity are mainly bribes for people to take on the downside risk of holding their inferior stables. Market making fees for algo stables will be, will, will be negligible. Affinity should be super careful about the downside risks of these stables. Uh, Wait, I am confused. Stablecoin paying protocols like Curve and Sabre? What do you mean by stablecoin paying? Because, like, their rewards are in CRV and SBR. So, I mean, and, like, we're not... Oh you mean they pay bribes to VECRV holders. Oh you mean like other protocols? Yeah, okay. Other other protocols pay them in stablecoins, I guess. Or actually, I think they can pay them in whatever. Actually, I think they do pay them in like a bunch of assets cuz like that's what other protocols have is like their native tokens. <laughs> Um anyways uh, let's see I mean like so I, yeah i'm I'm skeptical of that model or like the sustainability of that model. it's kind of like mathematic. it kind of like covers up it's like an elaborate way to like complicate the incentives that are going on or as you say it's pretty ponzi like like uh because like the bottom line is if you if you take away all the all the veils what you have is the protocol makes trading fees and then you have liquidity providers so if you got rid of all the bells and whistles what would happen is the LPs get the trading fees. And the question is, are those trading fees enough to incentivize the liquidity provision? And like you point out, I think those fees are going to be quite small. And so if, the, if it used that simple model, then likely it wouldn't have as much liquidity Um, but anyways, so what I was confused about, is like, you're saying Lfinity should be super careful about the downside risks of these stables, which I'm not sure what you're referring to. Because it's not like we're holding their tokens. Um, while you're typing, Speedy says port supports flash loans. Aldrin has a TWAP product, could use it temporarily. Well, I think Aldrin's TWAP is like using their own pools as the Oracle, right? So it's like, probably not that accurate because their pools aren't that large. Uh, yeah. Let's see. I am uh, I'm trying to decide whether to wait for Bandit to type or to move on to the next question. Too much context switching. <laughs> All right, uh, Bandit says, oh right, I thought that we would be market making UXD, USDH with our treasury. But I was wrong. Yeah, so, because we're doing the market making as a service, or that, that's what they chose, um, they will be providing the assets, not us. So yeah, we won't be holding those stables. So yeah, we won't have exposure to the risk. Like if the stable goes to zero for whatever reason, like we're fine because we never held it. All right. Um, a promino asks, will you write an article on the performance or the protocols profit from market making as a service for UXD, USDC? And is there any particular reason common to these stablecoin projects on why they'd prefer doing market making as a service instead of liquidity as a service? Um, so our revenue from UXD, USDC is like very small because um, well, one, it's a stablecoin pool, which has small fees relative to volatile pools. Then also because like there's just not a ton of trading volume for UXD, USDC. So uh yeah, I mean definitely not worth writing an article on. Like uh I mean there's no not really any insight to be had. It's just you know a low volume pool, basically. And also a stable pool. So um and for a reason why stablecoin projects would choose market making as a service over liquidity as a service. So the way I see it, the trade-off from the project's perspective is that with market making as a service, the hard part for them is that they have to provide the assets. And often projects don't have a ton of idle um, stable coins and soul lying around to be used for market making or providing liquidity. What projects do tend to have a lot of is their own native token. So that's the hard part with market making as a service. Uh, and then also, if they're providing their own assets, uh, I guess it depends, like, whether you think market making profit will be positive or negative, which is pretty dependent on how much volume there is. For that pair um and how good the oracle is which should be pretty decent in this case because it's the sole oracle is like the main one which has a uh, really good volume on centralized exchanges so there's that and then with liquidity as a service what's nice about that is that it's like easy for them they just provide liquidity mining incentives essentially Uh, Which, you know, many protocols are used to doing. Um, They just provide some of their native tokens. And then we provide the assets for market making. And yeah. So the downside of liquidity as a service for the projects is that it's more expensive. With market making as a service, they provide the assets, but they're not giving anything away. You know, it's like they give us the assets to market make, but at the end, we give it back to them, right. Whereas with the Kodiaz service, the tokens they're giving us, like once they give them to us, they're gone. Uh, we're not like renting it or borrowing it or anything. So yeah, that's the trade-off between the two. All right. Uh, late to, or yeah, some number. Late asks, hi, can you share numbers on channel about revenue we made in May?" 21 Uh do you mean like that day? Um which day was that? Was that like the huge price decline day? Um <clears throat> I mean in general like we're not going to we we just can't respond to individual requests like this. Like this does take time like the devs would have to, you know, query um, our data to find out these things. Um, so basically, yeah, so I mean, I understand, like, people want more granular data. And I mean, so do I, like that, this is why we're creating the data dashboards. And uh, you can see what we have on the list right now in our dashboards channel you can make suggestions for things to be added. But yeah, we just can't respond to like individual requests for like um like how much revenue was made on this day or what was the market making profit during this period or stuff like that. Yeah, otherwise, you know, like context switching is a real co- real cost. So, ideally like we don't We don't want to be um, asking the devs to like, look into these kinds of things. I hope that makes sense why I'm rejecting your request, (laughs) but yeah, it's important that the devs are able to focus on like the most value add things to our protocol. And, uh, I, I mean, just to reiterate, like we do care about data visibility, it's just it takes time for the things to be built out. And once it's built out, it's totally automated, so it won't take time from the devs. So, yeah, that's the difference. All right. <clears throat> P2Moo says, Hey, Durden. Been hearing great things about Lfinity and would like to get invested. One, where would you recommend I start? Buy flares, tokens, or something else? Two, given the bearish macro conditions, do you think I should wait, or is lifinity? Fairly bear slash recession proof. All right. So I cannot give investment advice. Um, yeah. So with, uh, I'll try to talk about it without doing so. <laughs> but so, yeah, the perennial question is flares or tokens. Um, they have... Like basically bottom line is um, there's no way to like calculate which is better you have to make some like assumptions or guesses so okay with flares what you have is um, all the revenue being used for buybacks and reinvestment into the pool uh the revenue source is the trading fees and market making profit and also uh, royalties from secondary sales. So the royalties is something that the tokens do not have. So the flares do have an additional source of income. Flares um, do not distribute rewards the way they are distributed to VE Laffinity holders. So if you're if 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 that's important to you then, uh, yeah, maybe you don't want flares. But if you're, if that's, if you're, so yeah, the way it works with flares is like the the value accrues through the buybacks and that increases the value of the flares so that when you do eventually sell it, um, they are ideally at a higher price. Um, So yeah, it's basically designed to increase the price over time. And also the total assets that they're backed by or the rate at which revenue is generated, because the because of the reinvestments back into the pools, and then also right now for about a year, uh, flares have. Um, they get a one percent of the Lafinity token supply, by staking or locking them. So yeah, there's also that to take in account with the tokens. Um, like mentioned earlier, they have rewards distributed to them and they also have buybacks. So on the other hand, to get the rewards, you have to lock your Laffinity tokens for VE Laffinity. And the longer you lock them, the more rewards you get. But of course the trade-off is now they're locked for longer. So Um, yeah, your investment time horizon is also something you should take into consideration. Like, uh, like, are you okay locking your tokens for four years? Um, there's also the option to like sell it as X but of course the liquidity for that is pretty variable as it's dependent on users providing the liquidity rather than the protocol. Um, you can also lock your tokens and then just gradually unlock them over time and sell the tokens as they unlock, for example. Um, yeah, so like, <laughs> as you can see, there's a lot to take into consideration, and uh, that's why it's it's not a straightforward thing. Yeah, also, with the flares, you uh, can get access to the holders', channel, the holders channels, um, so there's that too. Um, yeah, I mean, just like a lot going on. Um, so yeah, just think about all those things. Um, if you want to learn more, just like check out our resources channel. Um, tons of good resources. Um, also you can like ask people in our discord. Um, people have various opinions. So it's probably good to get some various perspectives. Uh, Yeah. All right. Second part of your question, given the bearish macro conditions, do you think you should wait, or is Lafinity fairly bear-slash-recession-proof? I have no idea. You know, like, I mean, this is up to the market, right? I have no insight into the average Lafinity holder, whether they're planning to sell, or whether there's going to be new entrants buying Lafinity, locking it up, increasing the price. Like, I don't know. You know, anything could happen. Um, I mean, so I would say, I guess, relative to other protocols, like, I mean, this is kind of separate from, like, the bearish macro, whatever. Um, lifinity does not have token we don't do liquidity mining. There is emissions for the flares right now that will last for a year. After that, we will have no liquidity or there will be no token emissions or yeah, there won't be an increase to the circulating supply. Actually, there will be through the teams allocation, which will start vesting after six months for four years. So there will be that. Um, Yeah, and then the flares emissions will end after a year anyways bottom line we don't do liquidity mining which is usually like the largest um contributor to uh circulating supply inflation so in that sense like if you look at other protocols who like you know throughout even this bear market they're still emitting more tokens um yeah i mean it, it kind of makes it tough for them and then we also have the buyback so That's kind of designed to like uh, scoop up the supply, even as the supply increases. So, um, yeah, I guess those are some things to keep in mind. I mean, but yeah, like I said, that's like not really related to like the market being bearish. Like, I mean, it, it also applies to a bull market too. So whatever, but yeah, those are some of my thoughts. I hope that was helpful. Let me know if you have any further questions. <laughs> Alright, Bandit X0X. Oh right, I thought that we would be market making. Alright, yeah, we already covered that. Alright, Universe says, Hi, just joined the AMA. Did you answer my question sent a few days ago? If so, I will check the recording after the a- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I answered your question near the beginning. Yeah, so listen to that later. I, I gave a pretty long answer, so yeah, check that out and let me know if you have any follow-up questions. Henry says, and also because Sabre have set the fees to 0.001% on UXD, USDC, aka zero, <laughs> to catch more volume. Yeah, so I think he's just talking about the fact that we don't have much revenue for the UXD, USDC pool. Yeah. All right, P2Moose says, which is better for passive income? Assuming it's a long-term play for me. Yeah, I mean, so like, even that, you know, it's not obvious. Because, so for example, like with the flares, it's, it's all about how much is the value of the flare going to increase. And there's also the affinity, um, allocation, so you have to take that into account too. But like, for the most part, like, it's about how much is the value of the flare going to increase from where it's currently at, if you buy it right now. Uh, so and like that, a lot of that is dependent on speculation, right? Like over the long term, it's more dependent on the fact that Laffinity just continues to buy back the flares. Then over the short term, it's more of a like, okay, how many new entrants are there gonna be and how many people are going to try to exit their flare positions? Whereas with the VE Laffinity, I mean that also has the speculative element regarding the value of Laffinity and X Laffinity. But it also has the rewards component where we're directly distributing rewards. So, and that that's going to be like more stable, more predictable than um, the amount of speculation, right? So, uh, it's it's just not obvious. <laughs> it's really hard to pin down. Uh, Bandit X0X says buy X LaFinity for a price lower than LaFinity price, then convert to VE LaFinity. It's cheaper than locking Laffinity. Yeah, so right now we have Laffinity at 44 cents. Then X Laffinity uh the lowest ask is 38 cents on serum. So yeah, if you're if you're looking to get that four-year locked VE Laffinity, which is the max uh, locking length, then yeah, the optimal way is to buy X Laffinity and then convert it to VE Laffinity. Yeah, so if you if you decide to go that route, that's definitely the way to do it. Uh, P2Moose is also yes, fully agree with the no liquidity mining. Not a great system. Lots of mercenary money. Yeah, for sure. And uh, White Turtle Bill saying check out resources, the resources channel. If you've got time to read, Tokenomics articles are legendary. Yeah, we definitely have unique tokenomics. Um So, yeah, yeah, if you're thinking about uh deciding between Flares and laffinity, then yeah, you definitely need to dive into the tokenomics to understand what the hell's going on. All right, well, we've reached the end of the questions, at least for now. Although I know that with time new ones always keep coming in, but, uh, let's see if, uh, if anyone on, uh, Twitter has any questions, we can, uh, bring them up. So I just request to speak and then I can bring you on stage. And if not, um, yeah, I can also just wait a little bit for more questions in the discord. Uh, P2Moo says, thank you so much for going into great great details. We'll definitely read more on the resources and ask a bit more questions to the community before deciding. Very nice. We love to see people doing their research (laughs) as they should. Um, Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Ask another question. Uh, Yeah. I mean, no no one is popping up on Twitter yet, so ask away. Bandit asks, "What did you do in DeFi before joining LaFinity, and what poker format did you use to play?" Yeah, so DeFi, the first thing I ever did was I was an LP on um, uh, Uniswap V2. It's like uh, it's quite a while back, and then uh, that was the only DeFi thing I did on Ethereum. Mainly because, like, yeah, everything was just so expensive. <laughs> So I was very hesitant to do like other stuff, and then uh, eventually joined Solana. Yeah, and then as Henry mentions, the legendary Grapevine newsletter. Yeah, those were the days, eh? I mean, that was uh yeah. So for those who don't know, I'm I I re- I started this newsletter. Uh, first, it was called uh, the Solana Update. And then later turned into the grapevine, uh, just like basically aggregated tweets, um, like Solana related tweets every day without fail. <laughs> and, Cause like I wanted that thing, like I wanted that to exist and it didn't exist. So I just like made it. Like it's similar to, um, if you know, DeFi daily, which is like the same thing mainly for Ethereum, although now they've like branched out to cover like a bunch of chains, I guess. But it's like very not comprehensive. Anyways, the one we did for Solana, it was comprehensive. Um and we did it every day, which was like a lot of work and uh but like also like super useful. Um but unfortunately, no one really wanted to fund it. So like it just died out which is really sad because um, now, you know, we all need to sc- scroll through Twitter individually. So now we're all wasting more time, <laughs> <laughs> including me. Um, but yes, I mean, so that was one thing I did. What did I do in DeFi? Before that, I think I started off by providing liquidity on radium. And, uh, Probably got wrecked (laughs) from impermanent loss and uh, started using lending protocols. I was using like Parrot. Um, I think the, the most profitable thing I ever did on DeFi was the, the Parrot thing where I leveraged PSOL. So like, uh, let's see, you'd stake. Your soul on parrot, and then you'd get um, parrot soul, and then you can borrow p soul against that. and P soul is supposed to be pegged to soul, so then you could trade your p soul for soul, and then you can repeat that staking process. So that basically you have like leveraged staking yield. So I think I was getting like 100% APR or Y, I can't remember, on my soul, which is like insane, right? <laughs> and, like, who's paying for that? Well, it's the people who gave me, like, the free, like, or, like, almost free leverage from letting me convert my P-Soul for Soul. Uh, like, they're the ones missing out. And now, like, they're stuck in their P-Soul. And anyways, so I'm getting 100% APR, APY. But then also, um, after a while, like, it was... Starting to sound like Parrot was gonna fix the exchange rate for PeSol and Soul. Because like it was heavily imbalanced, right? Like everyone's taking out leverage, so it's like 80% PSOL, 20% soul in their pool. And so when I heard that they were thinking about that, I was like, well, might as well get out of it while the exchange rate is like super favorable. So then now I change I exchange all my peaceful back to soul. Wait, is that The way. Oh no no no, it's the other way. So yeah, I I I put my I repay my peace soul debt. I get the parrot soul back. I exchange the parrot soul for soul. And then exchange the soul for peace soul and keep doing that until I repay all my debt. But I'm getting the P-Soul, like super cheap. So in the end, like I I did something like I think I like doubled my soul. Because of the exchange rate. Like, this is totally separate from the APR part. I mean, that was good too, but like, this exchange rate thing was like the real juice. (laughs) Just get to pay your debt back really cheap after getting like a near one-to-one exchange rate when you first made the, like put on the leverage position. Those were the days. Um, yeah, so that's something I did. And then what poker format did I play? I used to play Heads Up, Heads Up, Sit and Goes, Hyper Turbo, if you're familiar with that. So basically, you start with 25 big blinds, um, and then the blinds go up quite fast. So, like, it's basically the most math-oriented form of poker because it's the most easy... Most easy to uh, apply GTO, game theory optimal. And that's a poker term, it's not a real term. But yeah, you can basically subject it to the most mathematical analysis. I mean, you, I mean nowadays you can just like solve the entire game basically because the game tree is so small. Anyways, uh, yeah, Bandit says they used to play Heads Up Sit and Go Hypers too. <laughs> Um but yeah I never got like super high stakes like I never challenged the cartels if you know what I'm talking about <laughs> Anyways we're kind of getting into the weeds now people probably have no clue what we're talking about <laughs> Um yeah Speedy Durden for squid prize <laughs> Yeah no way dude <laughs> Like I don't I don't even think Anatoly knows who the fuck I am <laughs> uh, Okay uh, P2 mu says, I'm spinning up a podcast series called Solana Insights for the Community to discover the many gems available. It took me so long to find your awesome project. I'm trying to get as many founders on as possible to tell their origin stories. We're starting to roll out next week and already have folks like Radium, Solend, Genesis Go, etc. on the lineup. It would be honored to have you on as well. Yeah, I'd be totally happy to come on. Uh, yeah, let's let's work that out. Sounds like fun. PS found out about Lafinity through the founders of Soul Cartel and Gaius. They said many good things. I'm not familiar with uh, Soul Cartel. But yeah, Gaius has always been an awesome community member. Uh Yeah, awesome. Sweet, we'll add you and we can chat. Sounds good, dude uh Ipramano says in one of the recent announcements you mentioned about support for staked soul tokens msol and st soul will this become msol usdc pool or msol soul pool so i think we're going to do both cuz uh, yeah like once we have the the custom oracles for the staked soul tokens like you can use them for both so I don't see why not. Um I mean like the msol u the USDC paired ones will probably be more profitable because they're the volatile pools. But yeah, I think the yield on the the uh the stable pools, msol soul for example. I think those are pretty decent too. Although I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, you say looking at the recent Jupiter stats Soul Soul seems to have decent volume while exposing less impermanent loss compared to MSOL USDC. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's a stable pair. So yeah, I think so. Actually, so the one thing I'm really excited about the MSOL soul pool is that uh, our custom Oracle is going to have a very unique effect on the market. So like, if you guys look at um, the, the rates, the, uh, what do you say, the, yeah, the rates for like, um, exchanging soul to like, ST soul or m soul, you'll notice that the oh, yeah, and then also look at like, if you stake soul, on like the marinade or the Lido sites, like directly you just stake your soul to get the ST soul or Msol. You'll notice that the, the rates that you get on the market are like 99.9% of the time higher than what you'll get by staking directly. And the reason for this is I assume because a lot of people when they want to exit their soul or ST soul positions, they just sell on the market. And very few people actually go through the process of unstaking on the website. And then once the epoch ends, you get your soul back, like probably a bunch of people don't know how to do that. And I guess a lot of people are just too lazy to do that, even though like they're going to get more soul back that way. I guess they don't want to wait or like whatever. Right. Anyways. So the point is like the rate is like much higher when you just, uh, just buying it on the market. Buying the staked soul tokens, that is, and um, yeah, so and so um, the interesting thing about the staked soul tokens is that the rewards they get from staking the soul, uh, the staking rewards, those accrue to the token at the end of each epoch because that that's like all the rewards are distributed at the end of each epoch. And it's not like gradually over time it's like a step function where okay epoch ends rewards distributed then nothing distributed until the next epoch ends um which is kind of weird like um so uh, like the question is okay what what should the actual value of the token be um does it make sense that the staked soul tokens suddenly increase in value at the end of each epoch because that's when all the rewards are accrued like maybe that's one way to think about it but maybe a more reasonable way to think about it is um even though that's actually what's happening if you're trading the token it might make more sense to assume like act as if the Rewards were accruing linearly over time, so even though they're not actually emitted, like since we're just going to be holding the staked tokens anyways, it kind of makes sense to um, behave as if the rewards were gradually accruing. Because, like, like say you're ten seconds before the epoch ends, like does it really make sense? to think that, well, you haven't gotten any of those rewards yet, so, you know, your your stake soul token is still worth as much as it was, like, two days ago. Like, personally, I don't think that makes much sense, because, like, I mean, if you just wait another 10 seconds, all the rewards come rushing in. So I think the, the method that makes more sense and the thing we're implementing for our Oracle is that um, you just assume as if, the rewards were being distributed over time. Sorry, so this is like a long, I know I'm like talking about this for a long time. But so what that effect will do is that we're going to be pricing more effectively compared to um, other protocols. other protocols like uh, they don't use an Oracle or this custom Oracle, it's purely based on market demand to enter and exit the positions. But because if we linearly if we price our staked soul tokens linearly as if the rewards were being distributed linearly that means basically we're providing more accurate pricing and so there's going to be tons of arbitrage opportunities um, like so basically on on all these other protocols they have they're pricing their staked soul tokens quite low like I was saying, you get you get a better price when you just buy them on the market rather than staking directly because uh, apparently, you know, there's a tons of people wanting to exit. So they price it really low and there's not enough demand to buy those tokens to like uh, like move it to the price it would be if it was if if rewards were distributed linearly. But now we're going to be this new market partic- participant who offers prices according to that linear function. So then people will be able to arbitrage against our pool. So like, okay, uh, MSOL is quite cheap on Orca, so you can buy it there. And then they can sell it to us because we think it's actually more valuable because, well, hey, it's only 10 seconds more till the epoch ends type of thing. So basically, we will be able to, I think, um, buy the stake Soul tokens at like cheaper prices if that makes sense. Um, anyways, yeah, so there will be like a bunch of arbitrage volume. It's kind of how I see it playing out. Alright, that was a long long explanation. I hope uh, I communicated it. I feel like I could have done it better. Alright, uh, let me take a sip. Um, where am I? Okay. King of the North, a few heads up, sit and go, cartel members, big flare holders. <laughs> is that true? p 2 mu oh yeah, covered that. Bandit says, MNGR.io gave you guys a shout out as the best market making solution before. Uh, MNGR, for those who don't know, is a major crypto market-making firm. Uh, did he ever talk to you guys or express interest in investing? E- yeah, I mean, like, uh, we- we've been talking to MNGR behind the scenes from before the idea. So it's likely they had interest if we had gone the VC route. But yeah, we didn't. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, they've been great, like, uh, as a sounding board. Um, yeah, I mean, like, mostly it was, uh, Luffy talking to them, so, like, I, I haven't talked to them too much, but, yeah, yeah. Let's see, Sweat says, won't we be overpaying until the end of the Epoch, though? Is it considered accurate though if they haven't actually accrued rewards yet? Um so I th- think so. So for example, um let's see. Uh I, I want to try to do a- an example. So like say m soul is currently worth one soul. Like it's the very beginning of MSol. And then uh, ignore the number. The accuracy of the number, but like, say, after one epoch, the M soul will be worth 1.001 soul. Um, but and then, uh, like, an epoch is like what three days or something ish. And so, say, you know, almost three days has passed, there's one minute left. And other protocols are still pricing mSol at exactly one sol. But we're like, well, in one minute, it's going to quote turn into 1.001 sol. So let's just price it slightly below that right now. And then, um, People will buy the MSol from the other protocols and then sell it to us at this cheap price. I mean, I guess this isn't really answering your question, but like, I hope you see my point where one minute later, it's like, we're going to look back and be like, wow, we just got an amazing price for Um, Like, you know, like they... They sold it to us for 1.000001 soul. And now it's worth one point zero zero one soul, which is a lot more. Um I hope that makes sense. <laughs> like, so I guess the one risk is like if you saw that thing with Marinade where some of their stake got accidentally um unstaked so they like missed an epoch worth of rewards for i forgot if it was all of their soul or like a bunch of it um so if that happened then like well our our assumption that the rewards were distributed linearly would have turned out to be wrong in retrospect right so in that case we would have made a quote bad trade Um, but yeah, I think the risk of that is very low. And even if it does turn out like that, it's not like we're going to be totally wrecked. It'll be like a slightly bad trade, but like, yeah. So yeah, if the staking protocols work as intended, then it should work fine. Let's see. Bandit says, FDX also has MSOL STSOL, right? Will that price be incorporated into the Lafinity pricing? So you might have not been with us. We we used to have a MSOL USDC pool, and we used the uh, Pith price feed for that. But the problem with that was all the MSOL trading volume was basically on Solana. So like the FTX uh, trading was like uh, not helpful. It didn't really give us an edge. Um, like the whole reason our the SOL USDC price feed is so useful is because most of the SOL trading volume is on centralized exchanges. And so price moves faster on the centralized exchanges compared to the decentralized exchanges. So that it wasn't working like that for the MSOL, which is why the pool um, was like basically highly susceptible to impermanent loss. Like we basically just function like a constant product market pool or market maker. so, yeah, that's why we closed that pool down. And that's why we're now looking into creating this custom oracle. It's going to be based on the Soul price feed of Pith. Yeah, okay. Promino says regarding MSoul Soul Pool, since there will be a lot of expected arbitrage trades around mid epoch to end of epoch. Can we use an adjusted trading fee based on the remaining time to the next epoch to maximize profitability um i'm not sure why we would need to adjust the trading fee like the adjustment of the price should like provide the the effect that we need to get those Favorable trades. Um, at the moment, the trading fees for MSol Sol Pool on Crema and Mercurial is at 0.001%. And on Saber, it's 0.001%. Oh, I didn't know it was that low. Saber is added again maximizing those volume numbers (laughs) um yeah i wonder how profitable it'd be then it's potentially quite low then huh yeah i might be wrong about how profitable it might be Because like uh, the USDC, USDT pool, I think the fee is now 0.001% on Sabre. Or maybe 0.001%, I'm not sure. Um, Which is like very low. And it's like so low that our previous um, strategy that we mentioned, the stable pool strategy... Where like we we always provide the best ask or best bid on Jupiter, like that one wouldn't really work. Um, like the the space in which we can operate is too narrow, when what we're competing against is 00001 percent. So, yeah, hmm, might not. Yeah, not, and I'm not sure if the M Soul soul Pool would be worth it. Anyways, yeah, the devs will look into that more closely. Uh, Promino says, for example, you can set a higher trading fee as we get closer to the next epoch, because that's when the arbitrage traders would benefit most. Well, so the thing is, like, as we get closer to the next epoch, we're changing our price. So yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is like the price, like, does that affect for us naturally, we don't need to layer on a higher trading fee on top of that. Um, so the our revenue is volume times trading fee. So if we do higher trading fees, it means we'll have less volume. So, like, that'll probably, like, cancel each other out, net effect. Um, yeah, so I think just changing the price, which will naturally, um, according to our oracle, it will, it will go down, or no, no, the, the the price will go up as we near the epoch. Um... Yeah, that will have the intended effect. It's like, because we're increasing the price of it, that actually makes it um, easier to do the arbitrage trades. Because uh, the other exchanges are stuck at their lower prices for the staked Soul tokens, whereas we're gradually increasing the price of it. So when it increases enough, the arbitrage trade becomes possible. So... Yeah, it should do that naturally. Saber trading fees pegged to Luna price. (laughs) Uh, let's see. I haven't checked Twitter in a while. Okay. No requests to speak. I hope I didn't miss anyone. Sorry if you requested and I forgot to check. Um, Anyways, we have reached the end of the the questions, once again. Um, I guess I can wait another short while if anyone has any more questions. Um, In the meantime... Maybe I can look at flares on solanafloor.com. the prominent says, good news. At the end of the AMA, the flares floor price has raised to 7.75 sol. Yeah. Like a couple hours ago, or a few hours ago, it was like 6.3. Floor was pretty thin, I guess. We have 287 flares listed right now. It's a steady downtrend over the past week. Number of owners increasing steadily over the week. Nice. Interestingly, the the most flares are listed between 9 and 10. Huh. I thought it would have been concentrated at the floor, but I guess not. Um, I thought I saw Tajima typing something, but uh I guess they cancelled. All right, well, am I waiting for a 54 price? You know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for, uh, what was it? I think it was 35. Because if you look in our highlights channel, we have a legendary set of three. Posts, um, ASM 12, dot, and ice, they all pledged to tattoo a flare onto themselves when the price reaches 35 soul. I'm waiting for this, waiting for the moment. I want to see those tattoos, man. (laughs) Like, How cool would that be? (laughs) All right, but anyways, I think uh, everyone's gotten their questions in. Uh, Yeah, so everyone, thanks for the questions. Thanks for joining us today. Um, It was fun. It's uh, been a while. And uh, you you guys always provide me with the tough questions, <laughs> the fun questions. Um, but yeah, like it feels good to interact with the community live again. It's been a while. As you know, we have a ton left to do. So much to build. This is actually a good thing. There's a few protocols where, like, uh, they have nothing left to build i guess <laughs> it feels like it but like uh we just have so many ideas so many possibilities so it's just a matter of execution and uh yeah we're working on that Biddle time bear market good time for biddle so yeah that's what we're focused on um Yeah, I'm just babbling now. Alright, so... Yeah, once again, thanks for joining. Um, Yeah, I'll see you guys in the Discord. Cheers, guys.